0: And welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal's Kansas Statehouse team, and I am joined by my better half, Jason Tidd. Jason, how are you, sir?
1: Glad that election season August 2022 is finally over, officially.
2: Is it, though? Is <laughs> it?
0: Well, you know... I think there are three of us on this podcast, but we might need a recount to make sure.
1: Can we hand recount? <laughs> Raise your hand if you're on this podcast. Okay, I count three.
0: Okay. Well, it, because there are three, you've, you've met Jason, you've met me, and surely you know John Hanna, the Associated Press, the esteemed John Hanna, our friend and colleague. And now, I think we basically could just say you're a regular on the podcast.
2: Yes, yeah, so I, I I pop up here uh quite a bit do I not and hello Andrew hello Jason well we're we're happy for you Uh your daughter is getting married this week yes on Friday my daughter is getting married so she will have a better half or she will be the better half <laughs> well, I don't I don't know what how to
0: put that well Jason is getting married at some point in, in Next the summer. medium-term future so he has a better half it's just me without so
2: yeah you got to get on the stick Andrew <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> I don't quite know how to transition from that into the recount, so I'm not well, even going to try. Well, I, I,
2: I want you to understand that you should resist societal expectations. You know, back, back in the day, uh, when I was your age, back in the Jurassic age, there was an expectation that you'd be married and have a, have a couple of kids by 28, 29.
0: You know, so, you know what my expectation is for elections they usually within a few days of the election, the election cycle is usually kind of like done and dusted, right? You know, in Kansas, you go through the the um, the the important process of canvassing the results and adjudicating any provisional ballots. But they didn't stop there this year, did they, Jason?
1: No, that that long <laughs> sigh is it, not it, quite it as long as the process. Uh, we 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 had a rare recount this year. I mean we, we we had a close election in the treasurer's race, which uh invoked a new provision of state law for audits. Uh ten percent of precincts from every county, even the small counties have to do at least one precinct. Uh it it affirmed the results and the canvassing showed that uh, Representative Stephen Johnson narrowly defeated Senator Karen Tyson in the treasurer's race in the Republican primary, uh, but that is not the race that we were all sighing over, <laughs> or maybe just me sighing over it. Uh, that 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 was the uh, value them both anti-abortion amendment vote,
0: which, as we discussed at length on the podcast, uh, the amendment was defeated by over 165 thousand votes. But John, that didn't stop people from wanting a recount anyway, right?
2: Well, and and this is in a broader context of stuff happening nationally. Uh, of course, we we're, we're all aware of uh former president Donald Trump spreading these false claims far and wide that that he was cheated out of the 2020 presidential election and how that has kind of filtered through a lot of conservative Republican Trump supporters thinking um, now we're starting to see across the country, Nevada, Colorado, have had recent examples of candidates who've lost by pretty wide margins demanding and getting recounts um, and, and still not conceding after the recounts confirm uh, the results. And here we had two Republican activists, um, Melissa Levitt from Colby out in western Kansas and Mark Geetzen. Uh, from Wichita he's the leader of a um, a conservative Republican group the Kansas Republican Assembly he's also a longtime anti-abortion activist and they are suggesting there were problems with the voting they don't they haven't offered any concrete evidence of that yet um, And so they asked for a recount. Originally, they wanted a recount in all 105 counties, something that would have cost about $229,000. They couldn't arrange the funding for that. And so they settled for a recount, hand recount in nine counties, which accounted for, I think, 59% of the ballots. Johnson, Douglas, Shawnee, Sedgwick were among them. and, um, And so that recount, was supposed to be done Saturday and it was, although Sedgwick County didn't report its results until Sunday and fewer than a hundred. The results didn't, I think overall change was about a hundred votes. It was 63 votes and they did for the low, low price.
0: This whole recount was $119,000, which comes out to about $1,800 per vote difference in the margin of
2: defeat for the amendment. So, uh, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and um, under Kansas law, there is no automatic recount. Actually, in Kansas law, there is no automatic recount, period. But um, if, if it's a general election and it's a very narrow margin, the counties will pay for it. Um, if it's a primary, no matter how narrow the margin is, um, The person who wants the recount has to pay for it, has to put up a bond. And then the counties will pay if the overall result, who won and who lost, flips. Um, And of course, in the history of recounts recently, that is uncommon. And there is literally no precedent for uh, a, a vote that was decided by 165,000 votes flipping. Um, and so. Uh,
1: and, and just because any votes changed doesn't mean that there is any kind of fraud in the system. Uh, I went to the Shawnee County uh, here in Topeka where they uh, canvassed, well, where they affirmed the recount. Uh, and the change here was that the yes side picked up three votes. The no side picked up 16. And that that happened because uh, when they were hand recounting, they found largely cases where people f- did not follow the directions when filling out a paper ballot. Uh, there were cases of people circled the word yes or no instead of coloring in the oval like they're supposed to. There were cases of people using a light pencil instead of a pen to fill in the oval, and the machines typically pick up the pencil anyway, uh, but in this case the pencil was too light so it didn't get picked up. And that—that that is a matter of when hand recounting, they judged the intent of the voter, and it was clear, and they could change the totals in that fashion. But it... it The machines work the way they were supposed to. Uh, There's no fraud. Uh, There's no evidence of something happening here in
2: Topeka that would
1: support a lawsuit.
2: And and probably in every election I've covered, there is an election administrator somewhere um, in Kansas who has a volunteer poll worker make some sort of human mistake. Um, you know, maybe the wrong ballot gets handed out or, or some, some very small glitch. And again, as you pointed out, it's not fraud, it's a system run by human beings. So there is likely to be a few of these very, very small things. And as you mentioned, uh, yeah, a lot of it is people just not filling in the ballot correctly and not being counted, and then when you can find out what their intent is. And Mr. Geetson has a number of theories as to what he would argue could have influenced this election. One of the big ones is, involves ballot drop boxes and, and um, what Republicans are calling uh, ballot harvesting, although... Um, the term ballot harvesting has become like critical race theory. It's expanded to fit the conduct you want to condemn. In this case, he means people uh, picking up 11 or more ballots, which is now uh, for voters, not themselves, which is now illegal under Kansas law and stuffing them into these ballot drop boxes. Well, uh, I talked to Jamie Shu in Douglas County uh, who said – If you get a case like that, what you do is you look at the ballot envelope, ballots are in a sealed envelope, and it's signed by the voter, and it's supposed to be signed by the person who's delivering the ballot. What you do, he said, is you look at that, and if the voter is actually a registered voter, and they got a ballot, and they wanted it turned in, and that's their signature, then the ballot counts, because it's a legal vote now then you have this side question of the person who delivered it and whether they violated the law or not but that doesn't in his argument would be that doesn't make the ballot itself improper it's the the method of delivery but you know his argument is is that scott schwab wasn't following the law by not enforcing that requirement and uh, again we don't we don't have concrete. We don't have any evidence of that. Um, I mean, he's got a theory, but no, Andrew.
1: There are some confusing aspects of the law that Scott Schwab, the Secretary of State, had to weed through, and not everybody agrees with his interpretations.
0: Yeah, so it's it's been a bit of a chaotic week to ten days, and. I think the the debate kind of centers around how much blame do you put on the Secretary of State and how much blame do you put on a statute that does not always spell things out super clearly.
1: And how much blame do you put on people not requesting a recount until right before the last day deadline?
0: Yeah, Much like college students in exam week uh, leaving things to the last minute, not the the best idea. But in statute, the deadline theoretically to request a recount is the second Friday after an election. So in that case, that would have been uh, not the most recent Friday, the Friday before at 5 p.m. Now, all parties uh, who requested recount submitted a written request by that time, but they did not pay a bond, uh, like John said, to kind of front the cost of the recount. And the Secretary of State's office said, well, we're still gathering cost estimates from counties, which is reasonable. Kansas has 105 counties. That's a lot of election... Uh, offices to have to ring up and give an estimate on and how much.
2: And some, some of them, particularly the most populous counties, are still canvassing. They're still right. looking at provisional ballots, and so they're in the middle of something that's keeping them busy.
0: Which is also a whole other dynamic of the law, where in some cases you could be forced to request a recount before all the counties are done canvassing, something that the legislature has also not addressed.
2: <laughs> well, and then it's also, the law is also doing... Uh, wonderfully unspecific about what a what what constitutes a proper bond
0: right or how you pay for instance in this case the people requesting the abortion amendment recount paid by credit card uh interesting i i don't think i've ever put a recount on my chase card but you know well
2: um and the other interesting thing is uh when it comes to a proposed constitutional amendment any registered voters can ask any registered voter can ask for a recount
0: which is really i think where the confusion or where the where the unique brew of issues that prop popped up really stemmed from because normally it's just the campaigns that are having to make these decisions but but the so the statute says if you want to file a recount you have to do so by 5 p.m on that second friday well it, they basically the the abortion amendment requesters had until 5 p.m on that following monday to come up with the money and so they finally, somewhere in there, got a firmer cost estimate and had to come up with the money. They, I guess, didn't have the money, so they went for that narrowed-down request. And The reason this matters is because some people say that, well, there's no real room for, there's no imagination in the statute for having to come up with a cost estimate and them taking that extra time. And the statute also says that the counties get five days from when that request is filed, to complete the recount, which most people I talk to interpret it as five days from the Friday. So you do, you take your hand out, you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday,
1: Saturday, Saturday, Saturday,
0: s- Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's been a long couple of days. Um, So five days ending at the close of business on Wednesday. Well, instead- 5
2: p.m. Wednesday, actually. Yeah, right.
0: And the way the Secretary of State's office said is like, well, the recount request was not fulfilled completely until 5 p.m. on Monday. So they gave five days from that date. So we go back to our hand, and maybe I'll get it right this time. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Theoretically, Saturday is now when the counties had to. And, you know, you could argue this is semantics, but given the, you know, if you're being generous, confusion, if you're being more cynical willful misinformation that is being uh, debated about elections, these kinds of things do matter because they do get at people's understanding and confidence in what is a basic tool of the election process, a recount.
1: And especially in this case... uh Some people could make the case that the Republican Secretary of State changed election law, or at least reinterpreted it to how he wanted to define uh, when the filing was done and when the five days came up. And in the past years, we've heard a lot of uh, talk over how Supreme Courts or bodies other than the state legislatures... Well, made
2: laws or changed laws related to elections. Well, that is an interesting argument. There is also always a longstanding argument in legal circles, courts everywhere, that the law has to be able to work in a practical sense, and and the the Secretary of State's argument was, you know, we had this kind of we had one law that was changed in twenty eighteen uh, to um, give people three more days to submit them to mail in their ballots. That led to four extra days for counties to canvass the vote. And in the midst of doing all that, the legislature didn't change the recount statute. The secretary of state went back and tried to get them to change the recount statute in 2019, and the legislature did not and so where where does that where does that leave things and i think where from the statements from the secretary of state's office is they were interpreting things to be uh accommodating to the people seeking the recount which in the history of election law contests you are more likely to be sued if you're more restrictive Um, but of course, uh, based on the comments from Mr. Gietzen about the recount, um, he's planning on filing a lawsuit to ask for a statewide recount. It will be interesting to see how a judge deals with that because clearly that demand would be coming after the deadline and the deadline is set in statute, whichever deadline you think is the one. In
1: recent court history, uh... Scott Schwab hasn't had a whole lot of success, but Mr. Geetson has had it even less success. Uh, he had a lawsuit filed in Sedgwick County in the lead up to the election trying to remove ballot drop boxes that... How long did it take to get dismissed?
2: Five minutes. Well, he the, the judge found that he didn't have standing to bring the lawsuit because he couldn't prove he had suffered. A cognizable injury from the mere existence of these ballot drop boxes. What it? How are you injured by this? You're not using them. Um, you don't have any evidence that something happened. You have a theory again that something could possibly might happen. So I- I'll just be interested to see how a judge deals with a request for a statewide recount. And and of course, the interesting kind of unintended side effect of all of this is off to the side, the counties are supposed to be verifying signatures on petitions for Dennis Pyle so that he can get on. The question is, can he get on the ballot to be an independent candidate for governor? And we've gotten several releases from Mr. Pyle, since the election where he's expressed some concern that uh, the validating process isn't done yet. Um, And the answer from the Secretary of State's office has been, well, we've been slightly busy. Um, You know, there was this election thing and then this, we had to do some audits under the law and now the, the counties are having to do recounts, select counties are having to do recounts.
0: Well, and I think also there's kind of a – it's broadly interesting that the Kansas political universe has been enthralled by this recount for the better part of 10 days. I don't know if enthralled is quite the Probably right word. not. But, but I mean, it, the the it's sucking oxygen out of the room that otherwise would be starting to go towards the governor's race that is now the kind of central object uh, of attention in the Kansas – political world and you know there there, i think is a question of you know the the main groups advocating and support the amendment have disavowed basically the recount they basically said we have no expectation that anything is going to change and we're moving
2: on well and nothing is going to change unless um unless something so unprecedentedly bizarre pops up and there's no evidence of that
0: So basically, kind of what we have is two people who are uh, extreme in their viewpoints. I think it's fair to say are controlling the narrative, and it's not a narrative that I think a lot of Republicans uh, agree with or really want to, you know, populate the 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 news cycle at a time when they're trying to shift away
2: from abortion and back to other issues. Well, and that is one question: How much does this continued focus on the the amendment, the recount, and on abortion as is the issue, how much of that hurts Republicans who backed the proposed amendment that fifty nine percent of Kansas voters did not want? The other context here is, um, is that. Uh, on in in places on the anti-abortion side uh, you know they've been saying for years and years and years kansas is a pro-life state the people are with us kansas is a pro-life state we want to be pro-life etc you know however you define that and this vote uh suggested no the people aren't with them and you know given that the people also keep electing a conservative legislature, you know, that's going to take a while to sort through that. But there are some folks in the anti-abortion movement who aren't accepting the idea that their views aren't the majority of voters views. And so, you know, there is some question there. They're trying to question whether this vote was particularly legitimate. And, That kind of seems to be, uh, in some quarters, what's underlying this desire to question the results. You know, it's like, well, no, voters can't. Not want a ban on abortion or most abortions. Well that's I, what we thought they the, wanted. The, the
1: perspective from some of the uh, larger, more established groups has been not that the election was fraudulent, it was that the voters were misled by television ads or the media or that they misunderstood the amendment that they wrote. Uh, and they have not embraced an idea, the idea of fraud. Uh, it was not something that was brought well, up well at least at not electoral
2: night. fraud i mean i think they would tell you i don't know that they'd use the word fraudulent but they've they've argued that the no side's ads were misleading now of course the no side will tell you that the the uh, misleading ads were from the yes side uh, in that they suggested that if you didn't vote yes you know kansas would have You know wide open abortion on demand.
1: Their their perspective could be boiled down to uh, they think Kansas voters will have buyer's remorse, not that voters didn't actually vote the way they voted.
2: Well and it is possible in four or ten years that voters may take another look at the landscape and what how abortion is being regulated in Kansas and wanted to do something different. The issue for, as we have discussed, the issue for the yes side was that the idea that the leg- if this amendment passed, had passed, that the conservative-led legislature would step in and pass pretty strong restrictions or even a ban on a mo- most abortions, that from the voters we talked to that seemed a plausible scenario um i mean for one thing it's been happening in multiple states across the south and the midwest and you know the voters who voted no did not want that well and um...
0: I would say where we go from here uh, is we move on to the next election cycle, but, and I'm not necessarily going to focus on this per se, but Geeson, he said he's filing a lawsuit. He wants to mirror what has been done in other states, basically going door to door to try and see if, you know, a person who voted lives where they say they did and voted as they purportedly did. Uh, and he's also said that he's going to contest having to pay for the recount in Sedgwick County, which I don't really know what that means. Again, I'm imagining him calling up, you know, his credit card company and trying to, you know, well, like, like or, you do if you don't get something
2: that you got or maybe shipped from Amazon. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe an order from a court saying he that the county has to reimburse him and pay off that part of his credit card bill. I mean, that's, that would be a possibility. I would think Uh, uh, in terms of requests, I'm not saying it would be a possible outcome who, who knows we have to see the litigation, but I think more broad And, and it has to last long enough to get, to get to a place where a judge makes an actual decision on the merits rather than, you know dismissing it outright pretty early in the process
0: but i mean i think there's a broader question of is this going to be a trend and obviously constitutional amendment we're not going to be in this situation just every year but you know this this faction of the republican party is growing uh mike brown a candidate who we discussed on here uh, i think reflects the viewpoints of many of these folks Uh, in terms of mistrust of elections and misinformation on elections, got a not insignificant amount of the vote in the Secretary of State's primary. What was it,
1: like 45%? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, is this now the reality? I mean, it's been a reality, I guess, we've been dealing with in the United States for some time. But it seems like it has really finally, in full force, come to Kansas.
1: And I mean... Maybe this is a product of the last few weeks of frustration at the Secretary of State's office, or maybe it is a product of him now being over with his primary, but Scott Schwab had a pretty forceful statement today backing up the integrity of elections, Uh, and I I don't know if that's because he now feels safe because he doesn't have a primary opponent who attracted 45% of the Republican primary... Voters, uh, or if that is just well, frustration over these past three weeks there, of there are, there questioning are, the integrity of how his office there, there are folks the who
2: watch elections, election laws, election trends, who would argue that this is a particularly and and Trump denying Joe Biden's victory it, 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 that it's a particularly dangerous thing. In, uh, in, in a liberal democracy with a small d because, y- you know, uh, the United States, one of the geniuses of the United States was that it solved this problem in 1800. Uh, it appeared to solve the problem in 1800, that when one party gets ousted, the the and another party takes over, the ousted party accepts the results. You know, John Adams, being John Adams and generally cranky, did slink out of Washington before Jefferson's inauguration, but he accepted the result. And so if if you get to a point where... Two largely almost evenly split groups of people say, I will not accept any result except the ones where my people win. That is isn't that is a dangerous place to be, these experts will tell you, because you know, that's that is just you have to have peaceful transitions of power for for a democracy to work. Um and it's not like we have a
1: split of 500 votes, like in the treasurer's race, where 5,000 votes, which would still be a pretty substantial, yeah, it was
2: 165,000 votes. Yeah.
1: So questioning the integrity of that election, I, I mean, some people might be convinced now with the recounts that uh, Look, that the results are fair and that and again, one side won and one side lost, but. Clearly, not everybody is accepting that
2: result. Even even in very close races where there is a chance that there was enough small human errors in, in election administration to maybe a vote here or there or a few votes weren't counted or they were counted improperly might change the result even in situations where it's relatively close it's not common for a recount to change the result and so now this is a situation where you know the margin is wide and we're still having a recount and um you know i rem- i mean i remember what Brian Caskey, the state election director, once told me when we were talking generally about this subject. And it's like, have these folks ever met local county election officials? The people who are actually at the polls, the poll workers um, and the county clerks. And by and large, these are folks who just want the election to run smoothly. If you come in and you're eligible to vote at a precinct, generally they want to make sure you get in there and you fill out the ballot correctly and you vote. These are not, you know, for the most part, hardcore partisan operatives. And That was Brian's argument, that basically we're talking about a lot of them are patriotic retirees. Well, and I
0: I think also um, it's you know it's it's this is happening at the local level too. I mean, uh, not to prolong the discussion too much, but I mean, even in places like you mentioned Colby, Thomas County, there was a debate on to whether to move to a hand recount of all ballots or a hand counting of all ballots, I should say, and ditch their machines, which were made by Dominion, where there was a whole bunch of unfounded. Allegations we won't get into, you know, Thomas County, Kansas is pretty conservative. So is Graham County, Kansas, where a similar debate played out. These are places that President Trump won, uh, former President Trump won with well over 80% of the vote. And we're still having these debates. And, um you know i think a lot of local a lot of local county clerks are uh, are a little weary uh, well, certainly and, in the nine counties that did the hand recount and over the,
2: the last danger few days. the danger is is that you know i remember the story you wrote about thomas county and and the sense that the county clerk uh, had gotten more than she bargained for well at what point does it get to be a problem when you know people who do the work at polls, and county clerks county clerks say, you know, I've had enough of this, I'm going to retire. Um, and it's hard to get somebody to run for county clerk. And election workers are going, you know, I don't need this aggravation. I'll, I'll stay home this year and not do it. At what point does a county clerk
1: or a volunteer election official feel like they are refereeing a, refereeing a youth sports game where... Parents are yelling at them for not calling fouls. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a good analogy. You should you should work with words, I feel like. That's a good career for you. I,
1: I prefer them written, not spoken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here at the Cap Journal, we do both the written and the spoken word. You can find our written work at cjonline.com, or you can go to our social medias, Facebook, like us there, or follow us on Twitter, at CJOnline. And Jason, where are you on Twitter?
1: At Jason underscore TID.
0: And I am at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. And John, where can folks find your work?
2: At apjdhanna and then uh, www.apnews.com backslash. We're doing the hand motion. Kansas with a capital K.
1: But but they'll have to wait until you're back from your. That is
2: indeed right. Um, That is indeed right. I will be uh, worrying about the rehearsal dinner and giving my daughter away. And uh, a wedding reception that will apparently feature lots of swing dancing. That's what I am told. Yeah. Will, will you do hand recounts of how many dances or maybe hand recounts
1: of how many rings? I don't think so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, folks, if uh, John, while you're traveling up to your wedding, or if any of you are traveling uh, ahead of Labor Day and you want to get caught up on old episodes of Children in the State House, we have them. They are uh, anywhere fine podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, most of them are on cjonline.com as well if you just want to go there instead.
2: And, you know, if you're if you're using your uh, uh, iPhone to play podcasts, they'll just play one after the other as you drive so, across the countryside.
0: <laughs> so you get the dulcet tones of, of the three of us, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's not a bad deal. Jason? Andrew. John.
2: Jason. Andrew.
0: I'll see you both back here next week, same time. Well you won't see
2: me, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll see you guys eventually. Down the road. Have a good one, y'all. We'll see you some point in the near future.